Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, and Natalie Campbell. This is our podcast, the brief but beautiful edition of our radio show that we create just for you, our fabulous podcast subscribers. Uh, this week, we are talking about, well, film- female filmmakers, Caroline Flack, and lightening your vagina, just don't. Plus, we've got the amazing Zana Van Dyke talking all things health and fitness and why you too should be rinsing your beans. Uh, and how to look after your vagina the best way possible. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! But we're not going to wait until the CEO of the Eva Pill comes in to no. talk to us. We're going to just bring it straight on in our first segment. Because it is our news and, well, we've got a lot to talk about this week. First up, Nat, what has caught your eye? The lack of vaginas uh, <laughs> on posters about film festivals and music festivals. So in The Guardian this week, there was an article um, calling out Cannes saying that the festival of the 21 films in the main competition, only three of them are directed by women. So it it was shining a spotlight on a film film festival that's hitting London uh, this week, and it's called Georgia 100. And it got me thinking, this is something we talk about a lot on the show, but if you walk past any um, tube or train poster for a festival this season, whether it be film or music, the headliners are not women. And if there are women on on the lineup, they are usually like a small dot and not considered on the main stages. And it's so frustrating given how how much film we watch and how much, um, in terms of attendance, we attend these festivals. So we are putting money in the pockets of production studio, you know, production houses, whether on film uh, or the festival lineup, but we're not considered worthy of being on the main stage. Someone who knows all about this is film director Catherine Ferguson. She is on the line with us now. Hi, Catherine. Hello, ladies. How are you? Are you Hello. Well? Good, thank you. <laughs> Hi there. Um, so tell us, why is there this disparity in the numbers of men and women when it comes to particularly film festivals? 
Sure. Well, I mean, I think it's a bigger question about the film industry in general, and then it's represented, obviously, at festivals. But there's so few numbers of female directors uh, actually making films um, that then, obviously, we aren't seeing nearly as many films being shown at the likes of Cannes or uh, or elsewhere. Um, and that just goes back to, uh, sadly, a very old-fashioned and uh, definitely patriarchal um, industry that has definitely been uh, luckily shifting a lot in the last few years, but kind of not quick enough. Um, So it's really wonderful to see film festivals like the Georgia 100 actually existing and representing uh, female directors and often female stories told by those directors. Uh, Yeah, it's just incredibly important and yeah, we just need to see way more of it. Catherine, is it the first year of this Georgian Film Festival? Because I've got to say, until Nat brought it up as a news story, I hadn't heard of it before. Is this this first year? Has it been going a long time? If I'm very honest, I haven't heard of it either. Um, I've just been made aware of it uh, by you, ladies. But um, I think it's been potentially going for a couple of years. But um, I, I wasn't aware of it before. But it's super exciting that it's that it's coming to London. It's brilliant. Matt, but you got the details. Well, yeah. Well, so um, the film festival has been taking place at the Regent Street Cinema, uh, and you can catch films there up until Sunday. So it's worth checking out. Uh, but you've been involved with Birdseye. And on your Mm. comments around um, women in film, I'm sure that the numbers of women studying film are the same as the numbers of men studying film, definitely in London in the film schools anyway. And the same with music. It's not an issue of us actually studying and wanting to be a part of the industry. So what's the disconnect between us being interested and getting our films actually on the screen or getting into festivals? I think it's tricky. I actually have thought about this a lot. I mean, I went, I didn't go to film school, but I studied film at the Royal College of Art. And even in my own course, uh, there were eight female filmmakers and uh, none of them actually went on to work in film, which was tragic as they were all super, superbly talented. Um, I don't know. I think it's a hard industry. It's a really rough and tough industry and you have to kind of... I don't know, be super resilient to want to stick at it. It's hard. And I think it is harder, uh, potentially, if you're coming at it as a female director. You kind of have to work twice as hard to, uh, you know, get, get your work in front of producers and even to be, you know, the way the traditional route often for uh, directors of any um of any sex would be uh, going through production companies, working in short film, working in music video, advertising, mm. quite a lot of that at the time, then they'd work their way up into longer format films. But to even get into the production companies is very hard as a female director on that level, even with short films. So it's something that's definitely, there's definitely still a stigma attached. Um, there's a lot of work being done though to try and change that. There's a lot of initiatives that are happening, which are amazing. And film festivals like Bird's Eye View, you know, was absolutely fantastic and massively helpful uh, for that reason. But, um, yeah, it's still trying to get through. Trying to get on the first leg of the ladder is often the trickiest part with, with this industry. One of those and initiatives. One of those initiatives actually actually flashed up on my phone yesterday. Um, mm. Single ladies out there, single lady filmmakers out there, Bumble is currently giving £20,000 to female filmmakers to help you develop your film. Uh, Have a Google. Go find out more about it. You can download the app and it'll be on there. Um, But that was just something that came up to me. I was like, oh, interesting. Thanks, Bumble. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Yeah.
And just for anyone that was wondering how long this has been going, it's the fifth year of the London Georgian Film Festival. Uh, and it was actually started um, in connection to Georgian independence. So uh, Georgia is in, in, in the state. Um, and I, I think... I'm frustrated for you, given that there were eight women on your course and none of them went into the industry. Mm. Is it is it the networks? Are the networks closed to women? And is it that women need to just sideline themselves and say, do you know what? Actually, we're going to create our own film festivals. We're going to fund our own films. There are more than enough channels and platforms to us up, for us to put our content out. What do we have to do to shake, shake the system up if the system isn't letting you in? I think everything you just said, absolutely. And the beautiful thing in all of this is that uh, the actual equipment needed to make a film is massively accessible these days when it wasn't even mm. 10 years ago. You know, now we've got uh, much cheaper cameras, uh, much, you know, it's much easier to be an independent uh, filmmaker than it would have been um, 10 years ago. And as you said, make films and uh, put them out there yourself. And I think 100% that's the right way to go. And don't rely on anybody or wait for anybody to kind of open the door for you. You just have to make your work and get it out there and get it into festivals. I mean, there's so many amazing film festivals out there in the world now. I just, I'm a big believer if you make work that's that's true and you're passionate about it and is good you, you'll get it you, you'll, you'll get it screened um, uh, all over the place you know so it's just being confident but confidence is number one <laughs> because <laughs> it is a very tricky industry <laughs> thank you so much for joining us Catherine uh, some great no advice problem. for female filmmakers uh, our next story this week. Emma, what has caught your eye? Well, it's all the flack that Caroline Flack has been getting. <laughs> oh, See what I did there? Beautiful. See what I did there? And so I don't know if you've heard, but she's uh, dating this guy. He's about 10 years old. I think she's 36. He, yeah, she's 38. He's 27. I thought you said he's about 10 years old. He's not. Let's clarify that. He's <laughs> yeah. definitely not 10 years old. Yeah, so she's just announced her engagement to this guy called Andrew Brady I think um, yeah. but they've only been dating for three months but she's just getting a lot of backlash about the fact that she's always dated younger men um, and I was just like it's constant isn't it as a as a woman you can't date younger but we don't talk about the guys if a guy was dating somebody 10 years younger no one would say anything uh, I think for me I'm a bit more like hang on a minute love you've been together three months <laughs> he's asking to marry him <laughs> I don't about any of you two but I would just be like run no so we were talking about this. Yeah. Now, you'd say yes? I would say yes. You know, love's young dream. <laughs> Why not? I mean, if you think it's going to be, roll with it. The difference is I'm saying that based on the fact that I wouldn't get married, legal papers married. I would have a public proclamation. So I want the ceremony and I want the statement of us <laughs> being together. But if that's for 10 years... I'm cool with that. But I'm he's not 10 into years the... younger. Forever. I just feel like, are you at different life stages? So he's 27, she's 38. I feel like a 38-year-old woman is in a very different stage in her life than a 27-year-old. She's in a great stage, yeah. He he should be lucky. He should count himself <laughs> thankful punching. that he has met a woman that's got her stuff together. She probably owns her own home. She knows what she wants out of life. And he should be lucky. I agree. Also, Caroline Flack is, you know, yeah, she's 38, but I think she sort of has this aura of her, of somebody who is just much, much younger. She is has been this kind of very out there, partying, single girl, living my life, having a lovely time. She's never really radiated, I want to settle downness. Guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. If this, men do this all the time and they don't radiate any youthness. They rock all of their grey and all of their wrinkles <laughs> and they rock up with a 25-year-old with lots of collagen in her butt or things that make young people look per perky and no one says anything. So I don't think we need to point this to uh, Caroline's 
sort of youthful I, vibe. But it's not. I'm not she saying she looks fabulous. young. I just think she's just got a really she's young got attitude a youthful to vibe. life. It's true. Like she's so, you're saying to life. She's not like she's never been a kind of. Oh gosh, I, I've just turned thirty. I must get married and have babies. She's always just been like, I've got a great life. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. she. Yeah, I see what you mean in terms of like. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the th- get engaged after three I mean, months I, worries me, not the age gap. I sort of feel with Caroline Flack, she is going to be in her 70s, probably still dating someone in his 20s. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? Wrong with that? Yeah, exactly. That. Go Caroline. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, and our final story this week. Guys, is, I mean, this was a new one on me, frankly, people. Uh, get ready to clench. This is the story that uh, the blog Huda Beauty released this week entitled Six Ways to Naturally Lighten Your Vagina. Hang on a minute. Six ways? Six. Six ways. Six whole ways. I wasn't even aware there was one way. <laughs> but me neither, mate. Six ways to lighten your vagina. I know. And I, I had to read this several times to understand where that's like, you know, lighten it up like you know are are we losing a bit of weight are we giving it some humor making it stay brighter or are we literally paling down the color and we are paling down the color uh not actually of your vagina hood of beauty just fyi of your vulva very different um I she has come in for loads of flags. If you haven't heard of Huda Beauty, huge Instagram beauty influencer, 25 million followers, big, big deal. I cannot believe that in this day and age, I mean, I suppose I can, but, media is printing this rubbish. But really. also I'm a bit like, who is looking at your vagina that close <laughs> for that long where you feel like, oh, actually, yes, I could probably do lightening that. I, know, I could probably do with sprucing that up a little bit. Mate. If you're with somebody who's got a Pantone chart out while they're down there, you yeah, need to suck them got, off and move if on. If you've got anybody exactly. who wants to be down there that long, that they're going to pay attention. <laughs> I need to know about that. <laughs> No, I, so yeah, she she I've never heard of her personally, but you were saying that she said this, you know, she's catering to her audience. I feel sad for an audience of women that are concerned about the colour of their vulva. If they're not concerned about getting a smear test, which is what they should yeah, be thinking about. And they should point. be thinking about the health of their vagina, yeah. not what I mean, colour it, it is. It can't be healthy. I mean, I was reading in that article, lemon juice, egg whites, all sorts of stuff. I'm but like, pro- that are probably not supposed there? to be in that area no. at all. I mean, severe burns is all I'm thinking. And if they're doing it with lightning creams, I don't. maybe she was saying yeah. natural ways and things that mm-hmm. aren't creams. But it's dangerous it it's is dangerous. Like, yeah, just stay natural. Dump, who, dump whoever stay. is telling you to change the colour of that. Male or female, get rid. <laughs> I agree. Stay natural down there. I'm a good point. Uh, nobody wants a lemon down there in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. We're very lucky because we've got a true badass in the studio with us now. We have fitness blogger, Instagram superstar, general all-round personal trainer extraordinaire Zana Van Dyke. Hello. Hello. You just tooted my horn. It was great. <laughs> I, know, I sometimes feel I should have another job just announcing people into rooms. You made me feel fantastic, so thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so Zana, we're going to dig into what you do and mm-hmm. your lifestyle and how you do it. But first of all, I have to ask, the sun is shining and mm-hmm. whenever the sun starts shining, I have a moment of instant regret of why have I not spent the last six months working out in the way I intended to at the 1st mm-hmm. of January. Mm-hmm. 
is it too late to start now or can we all grab the moment never too late never too late i feel like there's always this motivation to get ready for summer which i think can be used positively but i think we should be instead focusing on just getting ready for life so for me it's just kind of about having this long-term sustainable journey i don't ever do like diets or fads it's just kind of like maintaining there's peaks and troughs i'm good and i'm not so good but as long as i'm fairly on track most of the time i'm pretty happy so that's what i recommend fantastic good i can put down my panic um <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you we know you via instagram mm-hmm. that's where you're most famous but where did you start was it as a personal trainer no mm-hmm. so i have a bit of a random journey actually so i did four years at university studying speech therapy and speech science um, and i specialized in stroke rehabilitation so completely different to what i'm doing mm. now but i found fitness at university and it was kind of like my escape from the academia um and i started documenting it online and by the time i finished university i was there thinking i'm going to go work in hospitals but i had this blog on the side which was doing quite well and i was like well i could be a speech therapist any day but i can only really run with this fitness thing right now so mm-hmm. I just kind of grabbed it and ran and gave it a go. And it was one big ass risk, but um, (laughs) it worked out in the end. (laughs) So how do you make your kind of living now? What would you describe Mm -hmm. yourself as? That's always like the really hard question because it used to be personal trainer when I first like moved over. Then there's fitness blogger, but I also I have like an events company. I also um, I host a podcast. I have written a book. I've done loads of bits and bobs. I do like talks. I do. I just feel like fingers in many pies. <laughs> so many pies. <laughs> and so I, I've been. Um, I buy women's health. And so oh, yeah. I've I've seen your body in women's health. <laughs> and so before it gets too late into the show, you've been a, you are a personal trainer. How mm-hmm. do you get people motivated to find a body that works for them? Because it's not possible to have your body because it's your body. Mm-hmm. But I I would like I would like some abs, please. Mm-hmm. I I would like some lean lean legs. What mm-hmm. what is it that you do to stay in shape? And what is what are some simple things that women can try? Yeah, I think it's really important what you said about like you can't have the same body as somebody else. So just to put this into context, guys, you can't see me, but I'm six foot two. So I'm massive. Um, So most people are never going to look like me because most people aren't six foot two. Um, So I kind of always say, don't ever look to other people. Also, you don't know other people's lives. Like no matter how much they share on their Instagram or how many meals they show on their YouTube vlogs, you don't actually know how they eat or how they train. So I just think focus on you, focus on how you want to feel, how you want to look, how you want to be. For me, it's personally less about aesthetics and more about how I feel so if I don't feel if I don't train regularly if I don't eat well I just feel like a sloth Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of like what's really my motivation is feeling good every day and waking up with energy rather than waking up feeling like I need to pass out straight away I'd still like to know how can I have some abs please (laughs) 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 oh I I always like to avoid the abs question (laughs) I'd say it's just the basics nobody likes to hear it but it's like good diet move your body do some planks train hard eat well okay but i i needed to hear it because i think people people do ask and it's Mm. hearing it over and over again it is really Mm. simple consistency yeah it's consistency i think that's the biggest thing which people lack they they'll start and they'll see it as a six-week fix or a holiday fix or post-christmas fix and i'm like you're not going to get 
whatever results you want, whether that's feeling good or getting abs with just six weeks of work. So when you work with your clients, what mm-hmm. is the process that you take them through? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I'll get a PT mm-hmm. and in two weeks I'll have this fabulous body. Mm-hmm. But it's a journey that you, you go on and for a long period of time. Yeah, I actually don't tend to take clients who are looking for a short term result. I'd rather take somebody who wants to be with me for the long term and who mm-hmm. wants to change their whole lifestyle. And it goes through, it depends on the person, but it goes through a whole like screening their body and how their body moves because that's really important to how somebody trains but also like screening their mind and asking them how do they feel what are their goals where do they want to be where do they not only want to be physically but also mentally and how they feel about themselves Mm -hmm. by the end of the process of working together i like can you tell us a bit about your girl gains posse you've got is it you and two friends and uh, how that started and, and what you're doing with that movement Oh, yes, definitely. So that's like a huge passion point. Um, so Girl Gains is a movement of women which aims to educate, empower and inspire them um, to get into fitness from a positive place, a place of self-love. So rather than like, I need to change my body, it's more like I need to look after my body. Mm. Um, so that's what our goal basically is. It all started as a hashtag and then it ended up growing up into um, uh, an Instagram page, a Facebook events, and then that kind of grew into bigger and bigger and bigger events, and bigger and bigger and bigger collaborations with really big brands, and then it, <laughs> and it just kind of turned into having ambassadors all over the world who do events for us in their local communities. So we now have ambassadors in like Dubai and Sydney, and these girls are incredible women who like completely encompass our message and they for example in Australia we have this lovely girl called Steph and she has done events over there and girls have met at the Girl Gains events in Australia and now live together and like they have made genuine friends not just people that they go and meet once like these people have become really close friends and I think that's the purpose of Girl Gains to connect women through fitness and empower them to uh love themselves and train their body from a good place sounds amazing amazing you can create a movement like that right where other people are taking it and running with it I feel like it sounds like that happened overnight it's been like four and a half years so (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's good though because I think a lot of people see these things and they they haven't seen the you know they might have only seen things kind of explode like Mm -hmm. recently and you know like you say you've been slogging at this for four and a half years and then it and then it's it finally tips. takes off. Yeah, yeah. it's so, good uh, to hear that. It took its time. Yeah. I love the name as well, the girl gains, because yes. so often when we talk about women in fitness, we're talking about girl losses, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, ultimately mm-hmm. we're talking about making smaller or thinner or yeah. lighter. And actually, girl gains is such a positive mm-hmm. message. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah, what yeah, we're that's a good for. point. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Yeah. What do you want to do with it long term? Do you know? Well, we've just um, started doing a podcast with the BBC, mm-hmm. uh, which is super exciting, uh, which is all about, again, educating women. Um, and for us, ultimately, we don't want to like commercialise it, really. It's just about the message, because um, I think there's, lo- there's lots of opportunities in fitness right now and in <laughs> blogging and social media to commercialise everything. Whereas we're kind of like, we don't want to get on that route. We don't even want to do brand deals. We just want to keep doing events and keep bringing women together. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to focus on at the moment, just keeping our events and also keeping our events small because it's tempting to do like massive events with thousands of girls and doing big workouts. I'd rather do like a small workshop for 30 women where we really connect with them. So we're actually trying to keep it pretty low key when it comes to the events and stuff because that feels more personal. Do you prefer to do things in person? Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Of course I love online. I mean, like that's my job. But if I can meet somebody in person, that's ultimately the best way. And for someone who's thinking, oh, this kind of sounds interesting. I might quite like to go, but I'm not particularly fit and Mm -hmm. I haven't exercised in front of people in 100 years. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God, is it going to be horrendous? What's it like? Nike, you'd be absolutely fine. Um, Girl Gains events, I'd say 90% of the time, they aren't a workout. 
Um, so we will do like confidence workshops or it could be anything. We did like a self-compassion workshop. We've done meditation workshops. We've done um, loads of different things like nutrition talks, bringing in nutritionists and dietitians. So I think the last time we did an actual workout was six months ago. So yeah, we do wow. a lot more mental gains rather than physical gains at the moment. Beyond social media, what do you think is behind this wave of people wanting to take care of themselves, not just their bodies, mm -hmm. but also their minds, their mm -hmm. spirits, their souls mm -hmm. and the other people around them? I think it is social media that's causing that. I think it's the fact that people are being more open and talking about these things, which used to have more of a stigma attached to them. Whereas now you can kind of go onto your Instagram or go onto your Twitter and express an opinion and it, it feels like you have a little bit more confidence to kind of put it out there into the world. And these things which had a stigma in the past don't have a stigma anymore. So I think that's why. I think that's such a positive thing. Basically, I get gassy eating a lot of vegan <laughs> produce. So mm -hmm. any pulses, legumes, mm -hmm. I just trumping for days. And I, I literally mean if I have it on a Monday, I'll be gassy right through to Friday. <laughs> All right. And then you were like, but there's some things you can do about that. And I feel like I'm about to be enlightened. <laughs> yes, I'm going to blow your mind. I am not going to lie. No matter what you do, there will be... Uh, a transition period <laughs> where when your body is getting used to pulses and legumes and the new amount of fibre in your body and it will trump and it will trump for a while <laughs> all right? but there are things you can do to combat this so for me main one rinse your beans minimum three times so often the liquid which your beans are in is what is irritating your stomach lining oh. so rinse your beans your legumes whatever you're using minimum three times in some nice warm water and I'm make sorry, sure you... I don't know why rinse your beans has just struck me as the most hilarious statement <laughs> ever <laughs> rinse your beans <laughs> and then when you cook them cook them really thoroughly if you just like t put them in at the end it's not going to work well for you it's not going to end well all right so cook them through thoroughly for a nice long time and then also increase your portion slowly if you go from hardly ever eating legumes to eating half a tin of black beans yeah. that is a recipe for disaster yeah. okay i made a three bean stew and oh, I was supposed, it was wow. supposed to last me a week and because i was so hungry i basically it, it lasted two portions and one was at four o'clock and oh, the other dear. one was at eight and so you can imagine what the situation was no. so literally you have to build your tolerance up it is the fiber which causes the bloating and the wind right. so to go from like two tablespoons up to quarter of a cup up to half a cup work your way up because otherwise it's going to be a shock to the system yeah understatement i did not know that i did not know that and so how long have you been plant-based and what made you decide to go down that route um so i went vegetarian about 18 months almost two years ago now which feels like the other day so time has flown and then i went vegan last september because i did a two-week vegan challenge and um, i have this facebook group called living consciously crew we can talk about that later but um we did a two-week vegan challenge in there and it was really easy. So I was like, oh, I'll just stay doing this then. Um, but now I kind of call myself flexitarian because I feel like once you put a label on yourself, it's really hard to completely live by that label 24-7. So mm. I just say like, I'm mostly plant-based. But the reasons were mostly environmental. But then when you get into it, there's like ethical and health reasons. So for me, it's like a three-pronged reason as to why I've moved more in that direction. But I'm not like super pushy or crazy about it. I'm just like, this is what I'm doing and I hope to lead by example. Do you eat based on what, how your body feels? So if you need oh, yeah. something, you'll just eat it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I do. 
but I never eat meat, so I, I'm always 100% vegetarian. Mm. But sometimes I'll just be like, basically, my mum has some chickens in her back garden, Doris and the girls, <laughs> and they all have names and they're all so cute. And mum will sometimes make a cake using their eggs, and I'm like, of course I'll have that. My mum's baked me a cake. Like, come on. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, I'm chill with things like that, you know. <laughs> and I really like that was what I really liked when I was watching you. I always sound like such a stalker when I say when I watch your Insta stories. You are very like this is what I do. Mm -hmm. You go have a lovely life. Like yeah. if you want to follow that, that's great. If you want to try it, that's great. If you want to do something totally different, that's fine too. Exactly. Have you had to kind of adopt that attitude in order to deal with? Because you know people do get really angry about whether you're vegan, whether you're not vegan, what you're eating, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. have, it's definitely. Um, I do personally actually believe that you should just, everybody's on their own personal journey. I never want to force anything upon anyone or make anybody feel uncomfortable. But also it is kind of like a, a safety measure for myself because if I, if you are very opinionated in any way on social media, especially when you've got a lot of people just sat there watching you, um, you're going to get attacked. So it's much easier to avoid confrontation if you just have a nice, soft message with minimal <laughs> confrontation from your end um, and minimal pushiness. And I just, as I said, just try and lead by example because then I really don't, I hardly get any negativity, which is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> Sana, just looking at your like biog and doing some research today, you are just doing all sorts of interesting things from like your personal training to your eco living. It sounds like you've really learned how to almost... Um, you know do the things that you love but also make money from doing that mm -hmm. and what, what have you learned on that journey and how have you been able to kind of morph into all these these different projects and and still maintain your brand um have you got any like any things that you've learned on how to do that has that just come intuitively i think that's a really tough question because it's something which again you see the end product and you think how has this woman ended up doing all these different things and making it a job but it's happened over the course of, this is now five years doing this as a job. Mm. So it's kind of just been slowly adding a string to my bow, like one at a time ever so often as things have come into like my world and I've felt a little bit more passionate about them. So when I first started out, I only posted food photos and then I did a little bit of fitness Then I got really into fitness and I posted mostly fitness and a little bit of food. And then I started to travel, then I started to care about the environment. And then my content basically has just transformed and changed mm. as my life has gone on and my interests have, have changed with me. Um, but I feel like the reason that I've been able to get away with that is because my social media is very personal to me. I'm not like a brand which is separate from myself. My mm. brand is myself. So the brand can morph with me and with my personal interests. So when somebody says to me, how do I grow on social media or how do I make a brand on social media, like a personal brand, I always say just be open mm. and be you because when people invest in you as a person, they're not going to mind really what you talk about. If you want to change your message a few years down the line, but they're invested in you, they're going to stick with you. Mm. So my message has changed quite a lot recently. I mean, I went vegan and I started talking about plastic. <laughs> and I mean, that was completely different <laughs> to what I used to talk about. Um, but everybody's still here. So yeah. I think... Hope Hopefully they're invested in me. But I think it's the authenticity, right? You're yeah. really passionate about these things. So it isn't yeah. like you've just gone, oh, the next big thing is veganism. You've mm -hmm. kind of got into it. You've understood it. You've tested but it out. And yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And also I didn't actually announce that I went plant-based. I literally just did it. And then I kind of like just kind of let it happen. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, don't, I never want to... I don't know. I don't want to push anything on anyone. So I just like, yeah, this is how I eat. And then if people ask me directly, I'll tell them. Mm -hmm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And you mentioned that you know, now I talk about plastic. You are very eco-aware and mm -hmm. you have your Facebook group. You mentioned Living Consciously Crew. Tell us a little bit about that and mm -hmm. how you got into it. Um, 
so basically, I think what opened my eyes is I work quite closely with a large activewear brand and they have started making clothing out of recycled ocean plastic and they did a talk about it. And I went to that and it just blew my mind. Um, <laughs> that talk literally like changed my life. I was like, oh my God, plastic is a huge issue. This was last June and it was before it really hit mainstream media. It's before the Blue Planet 2 effect, you know? So nobody really knew what was going on with plastic. Um, and I just came back from that trip and went, wow. I need to change my life um and i started reading and reading and reading and i just thought this is something which nobody's talking about and it needs to be known um but i didn't feel like anybody cared at that moment so i kind of just talked about it a little bit on my instagram stories and some people were really interested so i thought okay let's make a let's make a little facebook group where we can all talk about these things without any judgment because i haven't got a clue what's going on or what to do but i just want to talk to other people about it and have a common interest and like a little chat so i made this facebook group called living consciously crew and the tagline is basically like a judgment-free safe place to talk about the environment because mm. i feel like when it comes to sustainability and environmentalism you either have to be all or nothing you have to be not caring at all or living in a hut and eating leaves like there's no in between <laughs> yeah. and if you're not the one on the far other end of the scale you're not good enough and i kind of wanted to avoid all of that and avoid the criticism and just create a place where you can talk about okay what swaps am i going to make this week what cleaning sh products should i use in my house how can i get a straw which i can take to the restaurants where can i buy one um so all those little swaps that's what I wanted people to be able to discuss in there. And it's kind of grown and it's got quite a few people in there now. <laughs> so it's similar to the abs thing. What are the top tips? Because I think that's what people take away. What's the one thing I can do right now to make a difference? Get some reusable products. Um, so for me, people like to invest in pretty items. So that's an easy way to encourage people to be a little bit more sustainable. Get some nice, pretty reusable things. So reusable bottles, reusable coffee cups. That is a big one. Reusable straws. And I also take my own little cutlery pack with me around so I don't have to use like those little plastic cutlery packs you get. Oh. So yeah, like that, my backpack always has those four items in them. Okay, hun, you sound like really organised and prepared. Sound <laughs> <laughs> like your, your bag's packed before you leave the door. What, what about if I'm running around and I'm trying to just remember my purse? I think just leave them there next to your purse. Right. I, I do leave them there because I want to take them with me every yeah. single day because I, I won't get a coffee unless it's in my reusable cup. Okay. So. It's yeah. creating new habits, isn't it? I've been trying to do that. I bought some recyclable cups and mm. initially, you know, I bought the cup and it stayed at home and now I'm using the cup and now I feel really bad when I get a paper cup. Yeah. Like I actually, I've completely changed my mindset around that now. Yeah, and also you get discounts. Yeah. So I'm like, I need you my know. discount. So... <laughs> Do you think it needs to be, do you think we need to government mandate some of these things? So mm -hmm. is it about this coming from government or I've seen some businesses and coffee shops doing things like if you bring a coffee cup back, we'll give you 5p off the next one. Yeah. Is it about the money? How do we get this into everybody's lives? It's hard. I think there is, it needs to come from both angles, right? So consumers need to demand change. So if all of us consumers are saying, I want to use my reusable coffee cup, I want to be offered a sit-in cup, because there's some coffee shops now, mainstream chains who don't offer porcelain cups to drink in, which I think is a crime. <laughs> so if consumers are demanding that and sending messages and requesting it, then change will happen. But also there just need to be some changes higher up, which trickle down into the cafes where... For example, there's like there's no plastic straws in cafes or there's only paper straws or there's no or for example in offices, like offices need to have mugs rather than little plastic water cups. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Um so I think it needs to come from both directions, but higher level people listen to consumers. So if we change and if we demand things, it will happen. But how do you deal with the unknown unknowns in those scenarios? So mm -hmm. if we're using more paper, so I saw the other day people, there's a new company that's saying water from a paper bottle, paper carton mm -hmm. as opposed to a bottle. 
are we planting enough trees to make sure we have the paper that we need to make all of these things and the paper straws? Or if we're using mugs, it means the dishwasher's on more, so we're using more water. Like, mm-hmm. how, what, what do we need to do to balance everything out? The most sustainable thing is reusables. So anything which involves, like, mass consumption of a particular product, whether it's plastic or paper or cardboard or anything like that, isn't actually that sustainable. Mm-hmm. So if we can just focus on reusables, that's the most sustainable thing we can do even if we are washing them. But if you're just going to wash it under the tap and then put another coffee in there, I mean, it's not that bad. So, yeah, I'd say reusables is key. Okay. <laughs> so much today. I know. You have a full-on hectic life, Sana, right? I mean, I, I feel like we've just gone over the... Uh, skimmed everything that you do. <laughs> How do you relax? How do you switch off? What is downtime like for you? That's tough. I don't get that much at the moment. Um, I'd say... I was brought up in the countryside, so I was brought up in Yorkshire on a farm. <laughs> Whereabouts in Yorkshire? Um, near Hull. Yeah. Yeah, but literally in the middle of nowhere. So I don't actually say where I'm from because nobody actually knows. Um, so yeah, on this little farm in the middle of nowhere with my mum and her sheep and her chickens and the cats, dogs and horses. Um, so for me, relaxation is green space. So I have a park, like a five minute walk from my house. And if I just need to chill out, if I'm getting stressed, if I'm getting overwhelmed, I'll just walk around the park. Like that is my downtime. I just need to be in greenery. Mm. Um, or if I know I've got a really busy day the next day, I'll try and schedule in half an hour in between meetings just to walk. I just feel like being outside, being outdoors, even if I am breathing in London's air pollution, it just feels a, better, a bit better than being inside, you know? <laughs> so you've been incredible at uh, successful at building your, your brand and, like you say, building it around the things that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. If any of our listeners, which I'm sure they will be, who are also trying to build themselves online, building their kind of profile and, mm-hmm. and get to the point where they can have a life like yours, where they're living it around their passions, what mm-hmm. advice would you have for them? This is something which most people don't talk about, but I just think networking is key and being a nice person to anybody that you meet, I swear to God, that makes the biggest difference. So I've worked with brands who I would never have dreamt of working with, but when they worked with me, they've always said, you were such a dream to work with, like you were so easy, like you always turned up early and you always delivered on time or you delivered ahead of time. And I think if you can just produce good quality work and be an easy person to work with and be a nice person to work with, you will succeed. Um, so that's what I've always done. Like any job that I've had, I will go above and beyond my, what is expected of me. For example, today I was here painfully early because I'm like, I will, <laughs> I will be early. <laughs> Thank you, it's appreciated. But massive stereotype. When you said you were from Yorkshire, it made perfect sense because you're yeah. just you're nice and oh, from you, cheers, because mate. you're. <laughs> everyone that you meet from up north is. Yeah. 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 Us northerners are all right. Us. Oh, yeah. also, <laughs> nice. Priceless advice. Just be nice. I, why yeah. does everyone not do that? Yeah. Be lovely. I swear, it makes such like, a difference. It really does. <laughs> Stella, it has been so delightful to have you on the show. Thank you so much Thanks for joining for us. Me, girls. If people want to find out more about you, follow the work you're up mm-hmm. to, where can they find you? So the place where I post the most is Instagram. So at Zana Van Dyke. Just type in Zana Van and then don't even try with the Dyke because it's, <laughs> it's a struggle. Um, but yeah, you'll find me there. Fabulous. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. Uh, Nat, what did you learn from our amazing guest, Anna? I learned that I need to wash the beans. and (laughs) Rinse the beans. Rinse the beans. beans. And what that means is for anyone that has been considering a vegan diet and struggles to digest uh, pulses or legumes, if you wash them three times, it removes all of the residue and makes them easier to digest. So that's my learning from the last hour. Very important. Don't tell you we never bring you useful information. (laughs) Emma, what about you? Yeah, that was really good. Just really nice to meet somebody who's super passionate about what they do, but has also managed to make a career out of just, you know, doing... Taking being herself in, being herself yeah. and being passionate yeah. about some really good stuff so yeah I really nice. enjoyed that yeah, yeah and just yeah and yeah how far just being a good person a nice person can actually go in terms of helping you be wow. successful yeah enjoyed that we're very lucky to be joined by Athena Lemnissos I hope I got that right CEO of the Eva Peel now earlier um, in the show we were talking a lot about vaginas, so much so that James tweeted us to tell us it was too much. It was too we're early for too vaginas. Early for Never vaginas. too early. But Never too sorry, early. James, <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking a bit more because the Eve Appeal is there to really inform us all about gynecological cancer. Athena, tell us a little bit about, I guess, the cancers that the Eve Appeal looks at yeah so the eve appeal is pretty unique we um we work across the women's cancers that no one really talks about they're underfunded underknown under talked about so the five gynecological cancers are womb cancer ovarian cervical vulval and vaginal and the last two particularly are pretty underknown what we find and that's so depressing is that uh, a woman often tells us that the first time she's even heard of one of these cancers is when she's sitting in a little white room being told she's got one and that needs to change. Is that because most women don't know what a vulva is? Absolutely, yes. And most, most women don't really know what the endometrium is or what, what they might call um, the uterus or, you know, there are, there are, that's why it's really important to know your body and know what these parts of the body do. And... We talk about, you know, it's important that women need to know mm. what their body is and what Everyone it does. Everyone needs to know. But isn't it also GPs yeah, as well? It absolutely like... is. Well, it's GPs, it's men, it's everyone. I mean, we really need to break culture on this issue because it is stigmatised and it is taboo. And when you talk about signs and symptoms of gynaecological cancers, you actually, there's no point in talking about those without going back a stage and thinking about all of the issues that surround those signs and symptoms so that's periods bleeding the parts of the body 
it's actually not just about the cancers. It's about all of the issues that you then need to talk about to actually know your body, really know your body, really know what's normal for you and feel comfortable talking about them. So, yes, it is GPs, but it's also everyone. We need to get over ourselves about the whole language around this. How long has the Eve appeal been going? When was it set up? It was set up in 2002. Okay. And how long have you been CEO for? Four years. Okay. And then where are you, what's the kind of um, the mission this year for the for the um, organisation? Well, we're, we're, uh, as well as being unique in focusing on the women-specific cancers, the other reason that we're unique is that we focus on early detection, prevention, screening, and really stopping these cancers before they start. So there are many cancer charities out there that are um, looking for clever cures, holding people's hands along the treatment pathway, looking at palliative care, really, really important jobs but we are trying to make women aware make men comfortable with talking about these issues so that we can stop them before they start and uh, so the mission for this year is really to make everyone aware and comfortable which is why we've launched the get lippy campaign <laughs> beautifully segue tell us about the get lippy campaign and well it's fantastically literal fantastically <laughs> literal so we are literally asking everyone to get lippy about the issues talk without embarrassment talk openly talk out about the issues find out about um, those parts of the body find out about find out about those signs and symptoms so literally to get lippy and literally to get a lip product that's supporting the campaign and that's really important it's a lip product it's not a lipstick we've got lovely lip balms on board so there's no excuse for men women children you all getting on board from Vaseline to EOS, uh, <laughs> and they're all there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you get lippy in two different ways. So when you buy, uh, is it, tell us some of the products, when you buy them, part of the money goes yeah, to... Yeah, so the we've got, exactly. So we wanted to keep it fantastically simple so we could get as many retailers and brand partners on board. Um, so we've got lovely retailers on board from Space NK to Harvey Nichols and Tesco. So, you know, everyone really can get, get the products. Um, and then some great brands from very high-end lipstick brands, um, Hourglass, Lipstick Queen, lovely, lovely brands, through to lovely brands, but, you know, ones that everyone uses, so Vaseline, Eos, um, Blistex, you know, fantastic. Uh, so if you go into... Uh, uh, Tesco's this month and you buy a um, vas tin of Vaseline 10% will be donated to the Eve Appeal and to Life Saving Research Amazing, wonderful So uh, I mean the, the campaign is massively important and I know you were saying it's not about talking about uh, the symptoms but while we were here I just googled vulva cancer mm. because I, I don't, you don't, we don't, just don't know these things yeah, absolutely. and I wouldn't even know what to look for yeah. so I would like to talk what are the things what are the signs what are the things that we should be checking for because as you know we've spoken about bowel cancer we've, mm. we've also talking, um, spoken a lot about gynecological mm. cancer and, and endometriosis and lots of other things mm. that when you go to the doctors mm. you just the doctor just doesn't yeah. really give you the yeah. diagnosis or, or the response yeah. that you want unfortunately yeah. so what are some of the things that we should be aware of well it's a really important point and my biggest message is you need to own your own health and you need to know your own body so you can really press your corner when you mm. do think that something is wrong and you go to the gp and uh throughout this month we're um having a spotlight on each cancer um during each week of, of may um so each of the five cancers we're going into the first week of june so we've started we're starting from the outside 
right in, actually. So we started with vulval cancer. So if you want to find out the symptoms for vulval cancer, sign up to any of our social media channels and we're pushing out all of those signs and symptoms. So vulval cancer, you need to look for um, changes to the skin of your vulva. You need to look for lumps and bumps. Um, it's an HPV-related cancer. Now, many of you may have heard of HPV in relation to cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. It's it's the virus that causes vulval cancer in large part as well. Um, it's being aware about those changes to your skin uh, and being aware of what feels normal to you so that you can spot what, what isn't normal. And the thing with your vulva is... I mean, unlike... I mean, the thing with women's um, reproductive organs is they're either between our legs or in our pelvises. It's mm. very yeah. different to men who can just kind of look down <laughs> or look across when they're in the... You know, they, and you know, lift. They can and see. Yeah. Fondle. They can see. Um, you, need, you, you need to be aware. You need to be aware of your own body. But part of my challenge is I just looked this up online mm. and everything that I read in, in the first couple of hits, I don't understand. And I consider myself, you know, relatively smart. I literally, I don't understand any of the paragraphs that mm. I've read in terms of what the issue would be. And so I, I can only imagine how confusing it must be for anyone sitting at home thinking, OK, there's something wrong, you know, almost Googling symptoms. Yeah. To... Well, Dr. Google's a dangerous, mm. a dangerous thing. Um, well, there are two things. One, um, go to the Eve Appeal website. We really have broken it down into really simple things to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, uh, the other service, we only run one direct service. It's a nurse-led information service. So we employ a gynaecology specialist nurse. The service is called Ask Eve. You can telephone, you can email, and you actually speak to a specialist nurse. And women often, and men actually, about 30% of our calls are from men, um, find that really helpful because... Um, it gets rid of the embarrassment factor. Mm. No question is too small or too trivial or too embarrassing. You know, you can you can do that thing online. You can type your question away and you know that you're getting through to a nurse who can then respond to you. Lots of things won't be cancer. You know, we don't want to worry everybody, mm -hmm. but we do want women to own their own health and really feel comfortable talking about these parts of the body. Do you, are you seeing progress in terms of our comfortability around talking about these cancers? Is it improving? I know you're obviously on a big mission to do it, but does it feel like a big job to do or do you feel like you're having quite good progress on well, it feels on one level that, uh, you know, with things like the tampon tax campaign and the period poverty campaign, there's definitely a movement out there. However, the most distressing and depressing thing is we have a really, really effective cervical screening programme in this country and about... A th about 20% to a third in some age groups of women do not go for a smear test because they think it's either too embarrassing or too painful. Now, you know, if you then look at the evidence of, of who's going and having been waxed to within an inch of their lives <laughs> and having all of their pubic hair whipped off, I mean, about 98% of women, um, you know, do some kind of grooming and within certain age groups, literally remove all their pubic hair. Now, somehow that's not too painful or embarrassing, but going for a smear test is. Mm. And that's, you know, that's the test for me. We need to make sure that we reduce those barriers and make sure that this is actually saving lives rather than 
just just making people kind of more aware of the issues. But, you know, th- this is where I think we need to get better as a society because, yes, you know, I will go to a lovely swanky place and have my vaginal wax to an inch of its life. Mm. But actually to get a doctor's appointment, I can't take time off work between eight and six. So yeah. why are the services that we need not available in the time that we have yeah. where we would feel more comfortable doing those sorts of things? So how do we shift services not to be so fixed to actually it's, it's harder to do because time-wise I just can't make it. I never go to the doctor. I, I don't go if, if I've got a cold. I don't go for anything. And so for me, it took me two years to book him for a smear test. Mm. Mm. And even when I did, I had to cancel because of work. And I just think we, if we want more women to do this, we have to make the services work, fit work the life that we live. Work should be a priority over, over your health, though. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you agree should... with, I agree with you, but it's not easy for everyone to take time off between mm. eight no, and six to get a doctor's appointment. It's not, but equally, it does horrify me that like 98% of women mm. are going to get their you know, get some waxing and grooming. We've all done that. You literally get everything out, yeah. yet they won't go to the doctor. Like, that's that's a horrifying thing. If I could thing. go it's after six, I would. Mm. It would be much easier. I'm just saying we need to make services more flexible there, there, so people will go. There's a really important issue here. And, you know, as a, as a charity, we do a lot and we're working with... Um, uh, health services around all of the kind of systems change that's required you're completely right I mean the world has changed in so many ways about how we shop how we access other services and yet health services are really pretty rigid about how you access them we all go to the GP which you know the G stands for something which is general which kind of (laughs) says it all and it's and that's your gateway through to any specialist services if you go to um, if you use family planning services they don't do your smith test mm. you know there isn't that that kind of behavior mm-hmm. imagine if you rocked up at the garage lifted the boot up and they said well we can fix that bit but you have to go down the road and fix and go to another appointment to yeah, fix the other bit exactly you'd think they were crazy and you wouldn't go back again but that is the way that health services set up and that's something that will take a while to change but is definitely being being looked at athena i just wanted to ask you quickly if um if somebody's listening to this and thinking I am going to go and buy one of the lip products you talked about or I want to do some more to kind of raise awareness about this. Uh, You had, I think, on your website kind of 10 reasons to give to the EVE campaign. Why should people be giving to you? What is the EVE campaign going to do with this money that's really going to change well, issue. there are lots of ways to support the support the campaign. So um, we're asking people to shout and pout about the gynaecological issue that they want to shout about during May on social media and do a pout and pass it on. Um, we're also having Get Lippy Day on the 25th of May where we want everyone to get involved. We've got a lot of partners who are getting involved with that up and down the country and getting together with colleagues at five o'clock in the afternoon to have five minutes noise about the five gynaecological <laughs> cancers. Guess what? Um, but the funding that we raise through this is going on medical research and that's medical research in prevention and what it's specifically looking at is developing a test a screening test which will give every woman a risk readout of their chances of developing one of the four key key gynaecological cancers so it's really looking at a very revolutionary um, screening test which hopefully you'd be able to fit in an appointment every five years (laughs) and then You'd also know what your risk is, and that might might make you prioritise your health over your work. <laughs> Thank you so much, Athena. Well. If people want to know more about the Eve campaign, where should they be looking? Um, EveAppeal.org.uk and lots of information about how you can get Lippy there. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. We can officially confirm getting a Brazilian more painful than getting a smear, so go do that. One, two, three, four! This has been Badass Women's Hour's Best Bits. Uh, if you liked it, please do rate, review and subscribe us. We love that. Five stars. Um, or come chat to us on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter. At Emma Sexton. And at Nat D. Campbell. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.